Welcome to Community Hope Podcast. We pray that the word of Christ would dwell in you richly as you listen and that you would be encouraged in Christ. We're continuing our series in the letter of 1 John. We're going to do all three Johns. And uh, this one, as I, was, as I was preparing, I started thinking about what was happening in the church back in the day. Have you ever lost a friend? You know, sometimes you lose them to death, you know, like Ken. Sometimes you lose, lose them because you drift apart or you don't work with them anymore. Sometimes you lose them because of issues or problems in your relationship. Well, in this church, I believe they had people that they would call friends who started believing other things about Jesus and started living in other ways, and they had a church split. Now, some church splits are maybe are even good at times, but uh, they're over stupid things. Churches have split over how many times to like pour water or dunk somebody at baptism, right? I mean, those are like really dumb things to split over, right? But this split was important because it was, it was over uh, who Jesus was. I, 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 from my reading, there were people who believed that Jesus was born of Mary, but he was made the Christ at baptism. And then before he died on the cross, the spirit somehow lifted off him. So the human, I mean, it's just these crazy things. And here, they're part of this group led by the apostle John. I mean, you'd think, but this is their struggle. And I started thinking, you know, I'm kind of thankful there were struggles back then. Because many of the letters in the New Testament were written because of problems. And this one in particular was written because of problems. And we wouldn't have scripture if there weren't problems. When was the last time you gave thanks for the problems in your life? Right? I mean, God whispers to us in our joy, but he screams at us in our suffering, right? And many times in our problems and our difficulties, there are things that God uses to like wake us up, draw us unto himself, uh, uh, help us to come to the end of ourselves and say, Lord, I, uncle, right? Lord, I, I'm, I'm powerless against this. I need you. And we can thank God for those kind of struggles in our lives. And we're going to be looking at chapter 3, but I wanted to just back up towards the end of chapter 2 to remind us that the people who were causing problems, the people who left them, the the ones who caused the division, uh, this is what they believed. John says, who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Messiah is the Christ, right? And then he says, I'm writing these things because there are people who are trying to deceive you. And so he moves right from that, right into this beautiful uh, beginning of chapter three, where he says, look, look at what kind of love the father has given us that we should be called the children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world doesn't know us is that it didn't know Jesus. I mean, I could spend a lifetime thinking about, I'm a child of God. I mean, what? Children, I I mean, think about this. Children have, um, they're in a family, right? You, You take a family vacation, who do you bring with you, right? Family, 
right? There's a lot of suffering you'll do for family that you might not do for somebody else. You know, my daughter's feeling sick this week. She calls, hey, when you take the dog for a walk, want to take my daughter too? I'm like, yes, yes. I, I, yes, because I love being with my granddaughter, you know, and, uh, and you, do it, you do stuff because you're in the family, and you, if you believe in Jesus, you're a child of God, right, and, and, and you have special care for the family, there's intimacy, right, you hold your babies close to you, right, family, there's, a, there's access, I mean, imagine, um, who can just walk into the Oval Office and climb up on the president's lap? Children. No, not the adult children. That would be really weird. But you know what I'm saying? Or grandchildren. See what I'm saying? Like, like, like children can come into places of power, right, and have access to the powerful. Why? Because they're family. And then the family starts having a resemblance, doesn't it? It's like, Billy, I can start seeing Jesus in you. Right? And it has nothing to do with your beard. Right? You start looking, you st- like the love and the sacrificial way of living, you start taking on those characteristics of Christ. And, and then it goes on and it says, Beloved, uh, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know when he appears, we shall be like him. So he's saying, you know, we're like seeds. And these bodies are like seeds. And does a seed ever look like the plant? No. Does a, corn, does a kernel of corn look like a corn stalk? No. And so we really don't know what we're going to look like when, in resurrected bodies. But we know we'll be like Jesus, right? And, and that's what he's saying. He says, we know when he appears, we shall be like him. Colossians says that our life is now hidden with God in Christ Jesus. And when Christ, who is our life, appears, we shall also appear with him in glory. There's this hiddenness to being a child of God. It says, uh, because we shall see him as he is. And then look at this line, because I scratched my head over this line for a long time. Everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. And I'm like, how does hope purify? I mean, the word purify means to be morally clean. It can also have kind of a sacrificial, you know, you set apart bread and wine for communion. It's, uh, you're setting it apart. There's a sacramentalness to it. But how does hope purify? Isn't that interesting? I started thinking about how the things we like to do or the things we give ourselves to change us. So I um, follow Appalachian trail hikers, and at this time of the year, they're getting in shape, some of them. Some just hop on the trail and don't care, right? Um, but, but the trail gets them in shape, hopefully. But, uh, but they start preparing. They start buying stuff. Like, like their hope of hiking 2,200 miles um, transforms them. It changes them. And truly, the stuff that we hope in, the things that we worship, change us, right? If your hope is to be Mr. Olympus or whatever it is, you're going you're gonna to be changed by that hope, right? If your hope was to be a hippie like mine was in the 70s, you are changed. And there's some hippies here, huh, Betty? Yeah, Betty was at Woodstock. Betty was out. You, had we seen each other back then? We'd be like, 
you know, yeah, you know, like, right? Yeah, you're like, yep, that was it, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And um, because, because wanting to be a hippie changes you. And I don't care what it is, the thing you say to yourself, if only I had that, I'd be satisfied. Right? You may say you love Jesus, you may say you hope in him, but the thing you really love, the thing you really live for, the thing you say, I, I will not be happy unless I get this thing, that's what you're worshiping. What people revere, they resemble, either for ruin or for restoration. I mean, it's the way it is. It's the way God made us. You know, if your hope is to win at World of Warcraft, you may end up looking like the South Park guys, Right? Right? Were you just playing all the... It's a great episode. I'm sorry. Um, <clears throat> but they, they, they spoof. Uh, I apologize for any language. Okay. But, but it, your hope transforms you. This is what uh, Thomas Chalmers said. He said, the best way to overcome the world is not with morality or self-discipline. Christians overcome the world by seeing the beauty and the excellence of Christ. Right? You're attracted to what's beautiful. They overcome the world by seeing something more attractive than the world in Christ. John Donne knew this. He wrote a sonnet called Batter My Heart, Three-Person God. And at the end of the sonnet, he says this, Take me to you and imprison me. For I, except you enthrall me, shall never be free, nor chase except you ravish me. When was the last time you prayed, Lord, would you just ravish me? Because you know what? You know my heart. It's always going astray. And unless you ravish me, I won't be chaste. I won't be, uh, my hope won't be in you. So, Lord, ravish me. Uh, John Piper put it this way. He says, sin is what you do when your heart is not satisfied with God. No one sins out of duty. We sin because it holds out some promise of happiness. That promise enslaves us until we believe that God is more to be desired than life itself, right? Psalm 63, your love is better than life, which means that the power of sin's promise is broken by the power of God's promise. That's, the, that's how hope purifies. It, it, it changes us from the inside out. Well, the scripture goes on, and John says, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sin, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has ever seen him or known him. Does that make you like swallow hard? Uh, anybody stop sinning? You know, you're like, well, I, I did 30 seconds, you know, a minute and a half, right? You know what I mean? And then I felt better than the other people, and then I sinned in my heart, you know? <laughs> you know like, like, this is, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning, right? And look at this, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning for God's seed his, his seed, his spirit, his life abides in him. He cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God. John, John has stuff in here that makes me go, hmm, right? 
Because I'm curious, anybody keep on sinning here? Right? By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. I, I think there may have been some issues with love here, or those who split the church were saying, oh, it doesn't matter how you live, right? It doesn't matter how you live. Or the people who were offended by those who went astray had a hard time loving those people. You know, I don't know because he calls them brother, but we'll see. Um, you know, he says he cannot stop sinning. It's a tough call there. Now, you know, I've always taught that we are simul justus et peccator, right? You're like, what? It's Latin for I'm at the same time righteous and a sinner, right? The apostle Paul says, the good that I want to do, I don't do. The bad I don't want to do, I do. Who will save me from this body of death, right? Thanks be to God. But, but he says, so with my mind, I serve the law. So with my mind, I, I delight in God. I... I I find him beautiful, right? I love him. But even while I'm doing that, I find that I still sin. And then I love what he does. It, it kind of reminds me of Flip Wilson. He says, um, the devil made me do it. No, he says, so um, I, it is not I who sin, but sin living in me. And, and you know, this is actually good psychology. Um, you identify as a child of God. Lord, I'm, I'm a child of God, and I'm going to live into that, and I'm going to strive to find you more beautiful and delight in you. But while I'm doing that, you know, the guy cuts me off, and I say things in my car that I shouldn't have about that person, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, like all of a sudden, I say that because one time I was in worship, like thoroughly in worship in my car, and this guy cuts me off, and right after, like, bless you, Lord, were words that were not a blessing to my my brother in that car in front of me, right? Had they put their blinker on, I would have delighted to let them in. But they just, you know, and, and, I, and I had to laugh back then. I thought, this is so funny. Look at me. You, all, you know, you cross my authority or whatever, and I'm just going to spit, right? Because I, say, sinner saint, right? Said, like, why didn't I live into the goods? Ah, that sin just comes out, right? And if it comes out, what do we do with it? Well, John, who writes this stuff that makes us swallow hard, also writes, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him out, God, to be a liar and the word is not in us. So although John says you're not going to sin, he also says when you do you got a provision, right? And, and he says, my little children, I'm writing you these things so you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, right, he does not throw them out of the camp of the believer. I mean, it sounds like he does in some places, but, but in other places, he's like, no, if you do sin, we have an advocate, somebody who speaks to the Father, like in a courtroom, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He's the payment for our sins, and not only for ours, but everybody, the whole wide world. And then look at this one, because this is one of my favorite. He says, uh, but by this we know that we are of the truth and reassures our hearts before him. For whenever our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. 
you know, you, you come in and you just have a general sense of guilt or I'm not enough or the imposter syndrome. Oh, Lord, when will people find out that I'm really not as good as they think I, right? You know, what I mean? and, and you go, Lord, these are all my emotions. This is my whole heart, but I'm going to take rest in you're bigger than them. You're just a bigger God. So the same guy who writes this stuff about you'll, you'll stop sinning also says, if you don't say that you sin, you make God out to be a liar, and you're a liar. So, so somehow, what's the balance? I think the balance is that we are saint and sinner at the same time, but if you make a tree good, its fruit will be good, right? If you... If you if you call yourself an apple tree and there's no apples, are you an apple tree? And I think this is what John is saying. If the Spirit of God lives in you, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is in you, and that is a power that you live into and grow into, right? But we did not receive, but to all who received him, who believe in his name, he gave the right, sometimes that Greek word is translated power, to become the children of God, who were born not of blood or of will of flesh nor will of man, but of God. John is saying, if you have the seed of God in you, that's going to change you from the inside out. Seeds are powerful. Like, let's say you wanted to crack that rock. How would you do it? Who would think, I'll just plant a little seed here. I'll just plant a little seed, and it'll split a rock. If that's what a tree seed does, what does the seed of God that lives in us do? It makes Billy look like Jesus, right? It makes you, and this, I believe, is what he's saying. He's saying, if you got the life of Jesus in you, you're going to look like the life of Jesus. So years ago, this was, uh, this is taken from Google Maps. This is my house. And do you see anything wrong with that tree in the front yard? <laughs> so I um, rototilled my yard to replace the grass. And I went too deep and I cut the roots on that tree. And I didn't deal with it right away. So it like rerooted itself at an angle. So I had like the only tree on the street that is growing that direction. Notice this like little, little branch right there. That's straight. And the rest of the tree is going over. Yeah. And I have shame when I think about this, you know. It, I, um, yeah. And finally, the city comes along, and they're like, we're going to take care of this, this, this tree growing into the road. Um, <clears throat> and I said to him, hey, I think I was working on a sermon or something, you know, in the front room there. I go, hey, can you not replant something and just let that little thing grow up? They're like, yeah, easy for us, you know. So it, grow, so it grows up, and it becomes... A pear tree. Nobody else on our street has a pear tree. So the ornamental trees aren't very hardy, but pear tree roots are very hardy. So they splice an ornamental tree into a pear tree root, so it grows well. But I don't know this, and they must not have known it either. So, um, so this little branch, this little thing that we let grow, grows into a pear tree. Why? Because pear trees grow to be pear trees. And this is what John is saying. Hey, you guys. If you are born, not of flesh, but by the Spirit of God, you're going to look like Jesus. You're going to be a person who sacrificially loves, right? I mean, isn't that what Jesus looked like? My life for yours, right? My life for yours. 
Well, at the end of the chapter, he says, and this uh, is his command, that we believe in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he commanded us. And so this is what the people were trying to do, is they're trying to say, yeah, we want to redefine Jesus, right? And you know, our world is full of redefinitions. They're always trying to move things around. Like you pick up the Bible and you read it and there are certain ways of living and being and if you follow Jesus, this is the way you live. And the world is always coming in and I believe the evil one is always whispering in our ears. You know, you know when Jesus ascended, there's this line that he ascended into heaven and then there's a line that says, and some doubt it. And here you have people who are part of this community being led by the only apostle that like, died of old age, John. They tried to boil him in oil and he didn't die. You know, that's what history tells us. And, and, and he's the one who died of old age. And yet they're redefining who Jesus is. And John's like, no, 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 let me, let me tell you. The command is this, believe, trust, hope. Like, put your trust in Jesus and let the defining Factor in your life be my how they love one another, my how they care for one another, right? Because whoever keeps his command abides in him, right? And you can't hate yourself and love others, right? I mean, it's really important, I think, to say to yourself if you have self hatred, Lord, if I'm good enough for Jesus, I'm good enough for me. You know, you blow it and you start saying like, oh, I'm such an idiot. No, 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 no. If I'm good enough for Jesus, I'm good enough for me. And, and ground your self-acceptance in that. And it takes faith. So whoever keeps his command abides in God and God in him. And by this, we know that he, he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. So... Paul is saying the same thing. The stuff that really matters, they were struggling with the circumcision. He goes, it's not circumcision. The only thing that counts is faith, believing in Jesus, that expresses itself in love. And Satan is always coming at us, always lying, always whispering stuff in our ears that, that you know, the main thing isn't trusting in Jesus and loving. He, he wants to say all kinds of other stuff. I remember I majored in religion and minored in psychology in college. By the way, that and a buck will get you a cup of coffee because, um, or two bucks maybe get you a cup of coffee now, because nobody's hiring those people. Right? And, and, but while I was taking these classes as a freshman, I remember this wasn't like, like Bible study stuff. They were just tearing the scripture apart. And, and I remember just struggling with all these doubts and all this stuff. And, and my mom was a prolific letter writer, and she'd always write me scripture. And so I get this, I'm struggling with doubts and confusion because of my major in religion, and I get this uh, letter from my mom, and she always uh, read from the Living Bible, which is a paraphrase, and, and it said something like this, Doug, don't let others spoil your faith and joy with their philosophies, their wrong and shallow answers built on men's thoughts and ideas instead of what Christ said. For in Christ... There is all of God in human body so that you have everything when you have Christ 
and you are filled with God through your union with Christ. He is the highest ruler and authority over every power. It's so beautiful. And I remember thinking, Lord, I try to read the Bible and I have all these questions and doubts. And I remember saying, Lord, I'm going to hold all that at bay. I'm going to just give you my doubts. I don't know what to do with them. I'm going to hold them at bay. And I'm going to read the Bible like I did when I first started coming to know you in high school. Like a child. And I started reading it that way again. And it's like the word became alive for me. Now, I got answers to my questions. By the time we were uh, seniors, we had our professor uh, outwitted and cornered because God allowed us to, you know, like we had answers to the questions and different perspectives on what he had taught. And yet freshmen didn't know that because they're dumber than seniors, right? And, and this is the way it is. Many times I think we have to go, Lord, I got lots of questions. There's suffering happening in my life and my life isn't going the way it is. And, and people are saying this and that and, and I'm just going to hold the questions at bay and I'm going to open your word and I'm going to read it. And trust that you're going to speak to me through it. And I also believe that it's really important for us to be people who are humble. And the battle is bigger than what we can handle. And as we pray in the Lord's Prayer, you need to pray this regularly. Lead me not into temptation and deliver me from evil. Right? We need a shepherd every day to lead and deliver us. We, we don't see the bear traps. We need to be led and delivered, and it keeps us humble when we do. And we need to live into this new identity, this new power, this Christ in me, the hope and glory, and, and truly believe the promise that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me and lives in you. I mean, that's powerful. Dead rising and now lives in me and lives in you. Greater than breaking a rock. Will you pray with me? Lord, open our hearts to all you would have. Our faith is weak, Lord, but you are strong. And so lead us on in you. Protect us from the evil one who wants to just get our focus off of you and off of your plan and your mission for our lives. And lead us all in paths of righteousness for your namesake, that goodness and mercy would follow us all the days of our lives. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Community of Hope, go to www.cohchurch.com. God bless you today.